Hear the word of the Lord from Mark chapter 9, verses 38 to 41. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he wasn't following us. Don't stop him, said Jesus, because there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name who can soon afterward speak evil of me. For whoever is not against us is for us. And whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, truly I tell you, he will never lose his reward. This is the word of the Lord. All right. So, as you can tell, we're going through the book of Mark. We're in a... Chapter nine. Now, there, this this sermon is going to get a little heady. Okay, um, this is a message for the head as well as the heart. And usually, when I'm preaching, one of my primary tasks is obviously I want to be faithful to the text, but I also am thinking, how can this be specifically applicable to the people that are listening to me? And it will be. But one thing I want you to know is that God's cosmic plans are bigger than you, bigger than me, and bigger than our church. Our, our one church. God, so I'm going, to, I'm going to step back a minute and look at God's cosmic plan. And, and, and what, we, what I want us to do is I want us to see and value the diverse church of Christ. I want us to see and value the diverse church of Christ. And that diversity is more than just ethnicity. So a lot of y'all know that I like to read and I'm kind of a dork. All right. One of my favorite scholars is a guy named Vince Bantu. He's a theologian. He also is a historian. And he has a book. His book is called A Multitude of All Peoples. And the first sentence in his book is this. It says, Christianity is and always has been a global religion. Christianity is and always has been a global religion. And then he goes on to back it up. He says, Egypt was home to many of the earliest biblical manuscripts and had an organized church leadership no later than the second century. That's 100, y'all. Ethiopia became a predominantly Christian nation in the 300s and along with Nubia functioned under the church leadership of Egypt. Syriac-speaking Christian merchants brought Christianity along the Silk Road to the Persian Empire. That's modern-day Iran. That was in the early third century, 200s. Christianity went to Central Asia. So that's the stands. Pakistan, Uzbekistan. Christianity went to Central Asia in the, in the mid-fourth century. While it's possible that the Apostle Thomas brought the gospel to India in the first century, Syriac-speaking Christians reported missionary activity to India no later than the third century. These traditions spread rapidly across the continents of Africa and Asia and took on indigenous forms at a time when the majority of Northern and Western Europe practiced pagan religion. Christianity has always been a global religion that spread from Jerusalem in every direction. One of the beautiful things about our faith, about Christianity, is it's a faith that actually honors indigenous cultures. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna give you, I'll tell you, it's gonna be a little heady, but hear me, hear me, hear me. Hear me. So what's interesting is if, if you know the language that Jesus spoke when he was on earth, it was Aramaic. Now, if you are familiar with the New Testament, 
do you know that the New Testament was not written in Aramaic? Why was it not written in the language that Jesus spoke? It was written in something called Koine Greek, which is like common speech. It's the speech that you would, like if you're going to the store, it wasn't fancy. It was a regular, everyday speech. So from the beginning, the, 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 the apostles said, we want this message to go as far and as wide as possible. And in order to do it, it's got it's to be translatable, it's got to be relatable, and it's got to fit into every nook and cranny of culture. And we look in the first couple hundreds of years of Christianity, it spread to Europe, Africa, and Asia. There, there are some in, in my community that might say something uh, like, like Christianity uh, was the white man's religion and it was imposed on, on Africans, but that is historically false. One of my favorite theologians, his name is Athanasius, and he was, he, this is what his enemies called him, the black dwarf. I'm, I don't know what you think, but I, I imagine he was short and he was dark-skinned, okay? He was one of the, the major articulators of Christianity. Why does this matter? This matters because if you have a movement that spreads far and wide, there's going to be some differences, some different articulations, some different traditions because it's being enculturated in all these different places. What I'm saying is the church does not look the same everywhere. And that's not a problem. The church does not look the same everywhere. And that is not a problem. It's a feature, not a bug, if you will. So let's ask, let's ask God for, for grace. Father, please help us to understand your word. Uh, help us to see your big, vast, global plan for, for the exaltation of Christ. And help us be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so when we get to verse 38, John, as one of the apostles, said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he wasn't following us. What this teaches us is that we have to be careful of prideful divisions in the church. The irony is, if you've been following along, is that they were trying to stop someone from doing what they previously could not do. So early on in the chapter, Jesus got mad at them because they couldn't cast out a demon. There was a whole sermon on that, right? So they couldn't do something in his name, and then they saw somebody else doing it, and they got mad. In other words... Don't criticize what you are unwilling or unable to do. Let me make it plain. A lot of people got issues with some, some of the ways evangelism happens, right? You don't want to see somebody preaching on the street. You don't want to see somebody handing out tracts. You can have your opinion, but if you don't do evangelism, then you need to be quiet, right? Like, like if you, I don't like the way you're doing it, but at least they're doing it. You see what I'm saying? So, so there, there are things that we can look at, other churches or other church traditions. You're like, I don't like the way they do that. But do you do it? That, that actually means we have to, 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 to approach each other with, with great humility. If somebody is doing something wrongly, maybe it's your responsibility not just to say that something is done wrongly, but to do something well. Too many people sit in the seat of criticism instead of going to work. All right, so listen, listen. I want you to understand, the Bible doesn't only call, call us to, to point out what's wrong or maybe what's unhelpful, but that we build something. It's easy to look at something or somebody else or some other tradition or some other church and go, I can't believe they do X, Y, and Z. But are we building something? 
If we're not building something, if we're not working to, 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 to build a beautiful church that's biblical, then, then let's, let's, let's keep our criticisms to ourselves. Okay? There are many who follow Christ who do not look exactly like your group of Christians. My personal history of church. So, so when I got saved, the, the first church I rocked with, we were, it was Pentecostal. And I'm talking about Pentecostal, Pentecostal, y'all. Some of y'all don't know what that is. Anyway, it was Pentecostal. I'm talking about we do a laps around the sanctuary. See, some of y'all are like, why would you do that? That's just what we did. I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know, I get your exercise at church, okay? So, you know, like, 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 you know it's a good service if you were sweating. Anyway, I'm going to stop. Okay? <laughs> so, listen, that was the first church I was a part of, right? And then I went to, to a vineyard church that's kind of like a, like a chill, charismatic. And then I found myself at a, like an old school. I'm talking about an old school Southern Baptist church when I was in college. And it was very different. And then, then as I was learning, I dabbled my foot in some of the liturgical churches. So, I, I studied and, and went to talk to Anglicans and Lutherans and Catholic and Orthodox. So I just kind of dipped my foot in a lot of these, these different worlds. And what's interesting is many of the groups of Christians I have fellowship with would strongly dislike one another. Not only disagree, but would dislike each other. But the craziest thing is I've learned valuable things from each of them. Let me tell you something. I don't know if I would know how to pray. If I didn't start in the Pentecostal church, I'm going to be honest with you. When I, when I went to, the, when I went to North Greenville Baptist College, I was like, dude, can y'all pray? Dude, what are y'all doing? Like, like, what's going on? Like, they pray for like five seconds and move on. I'm like, no, nah, we got to stay. We got to tarry. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on with y'all? You know, but then, but here's the deal, man. When, when I, when I started hanging out with the Baptists, I'm telling you, they about some evangelism, about very clear concise evangelism to be very clear like like we're going to share the gospel across street and i tell you what the biggest mission decision agency in the world is the baptist all right so i learned something important from them and even this when i when i when i was uh when i was in seminary i was reading about some churches like the orthodox and the catholic church and that here's the if you read about somebody or some organization why just go talk to them too so I rode up to the church. I said, hello, you don't know me, but I've been reading about you. Let me, let me, what, what, let me, is this what you believe? Why do you believe that? Help me understand. And one thing I learned about some of those, those, those uh, liturgical ones is that they had some stability. It, they, same thing over and over and over again, which actually lets you do stuff for a long time. Stability and formation. Listen, one of the most interesting times is I was sitting with a with one of my friends, and this might freak you out, and we can talk about it after it if it does, but one of my friends is, is a Catholic priest, all right? So I was chilling in his office, and we were talking, we were chatting about the Lord or whatnot, and I noticed, as I looked around his office, there are all these pictures of, of people that I assumed were no longer alive, um, and, and the, the man, he was a Catholic priest, so he didn't, have, he didn't have an immediate family, and so I said, why do you have all these pictures here? And he said, these are my family portraits, and I thought, what? He, he considered the church of Christ his family so much so that he would put pictures up everywhere. And I thought, man, that's, I've never considered, like, I'm, I consider y'all my family, right? We family. But I'm like, Christians that live different places and at different times, he's like, that's my family. So y'all, if y'all come to my, if y'all come to my office, you go see some family portraits. <laughs> now, both kinds, though. I got my, my, my family, my, my blood family, and I got Athanasius over there, too. All right, so... Which, this all begs the question, right? So there's, there's these divisions in the church. Like, like, what is the church? When I say church, I'm talking about the big C church, not this church. What is the church? Now, 
In the Reformation, there was a lot of discussion about this. How do we know if a church is a church? And what is the church? Is the church identical to one institution or one organizational hierarchy? What is it? So I'm going to read you a confession. It's, from the, it's the second London Baptist Confession. It says, the universal church, or the big C church, which, with respect to the eternal, internal work of the Spirit and truth of grace, may be called invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect. Translation, it consists of everybody who was a Christian that have been, okay, so people didn't die, right? That have been, that are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ, the head, and is the spouse, the body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. What he's saying is the big C church, the capital C church, includes all Christians across time, geography, ethnicity, and culture. So pause for a minute. I want you to think for a second about the diversity of the family of God. I just read to you about how, how in the early 200s there was Christians in Ethiopia, there were Christians in Nubia, they were in Iran. Y'all, it got all the way to China in the 600s. I want you to understand that if you are in Christ, you have a huge, diverse family. It's bigger than our church or our group. You have, listen, I want you to understand, if you are a Christian, you are part of one of the most diverse movements in history, period. Period. You know, we, we, we confess the Apostles' Creed, right? And, and towards the end, it gets kind of, like a lot of us are like, I understand, I understand. Then it goes, I believe in the communion of the saints. Like, what, what, what is the communion of the saints? This is what one catechism says. It says, it says, it says first, that all and everyone who believe are in, are in common partakers of Christ and his graces. Meaning this, if you believe you are in Christ, that, now who, who does that include? Does it include just us in the room? No. Does it, just, it, does it just include Christians that are alive today? No. It includes everybody who was a Christian. Listen, that you are common partakers of Christ and all of his graces. Christ's church is bigger than you think. It's bigger than you think. The body of Christ is wide and it's diverse. And that's a feature, not a bug. It is meant to be so. Let's go to 39 and 40. It says, don't stop him, said Jesus, because there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name who can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I think in other words, he's saying, listen, you need to be a cheerleader for the church. Not just your church. You need to be a cheerleader for the church. Listen, we ought to cheer on anyone who does anything good in the name of Christ. And if Christ is spoken well of, then let's celebrate it. You're like, well, I wouldn't articulate exactly that. That's okay. That's okay. Praise God for it. I, here's one of the things. So when I first started walking with the Lord, I was hungry. And I, want, I wanted to listen to anything I could get my hand on. Listen, if you want to watch something on, on TV that's Christian... It's getting a little funky out there in this world, all right? <laughs> There's some weird stuff. But you know what? I had nothing else. So all the people who be complaining about, well, this false preacher is on TV. Oh, your behind ain't on TV. So, like, like you, you want to make it happen or what? Like, 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 look, look, do I agree with TBN? A lot of the times I don't. But you know what? They talk about Jesus and people tuning in. So I can celebrate that. 
If Christ is spoken well of, let us use it as a springboard to talk about him more. I taught, listen, listen, at Carolina High School, there's a lot of weird beliefs about Jesus that ain't true. All right. And I don't when I meet somebody, I don't attack every single one of them. But I'm like, oh, you think you think something good about Jesus? All right, let's talk. To you. Let's, we, we, I can use that. We, we can talk about Jesus, even if what you believe is kind of funky and off. But at least you have a positive opinion. So at least I can I can. I remember I was I was uh, when I was uh, in when I was in Zambia, Zambia, uh, I went there in the summer, uh, Zambia in the Constitution. It's a Christian nation. It's one of the one of the few. All right. Now, all the missionaries there they didn't like that. They're like, why, why don't, and, and I was like, why don't you like it? What's the problem? And they said, well, everybody just assumes they're a Christian, so there's a lot of false converts. And I said, that may be the case, but at least you're not dead. <laughs> like, you could be in another country, you could die for preaching Christ. At least you have some common ground to talk about them with. Like, like let's, let's go for it. Hey, listen, if somebody names the name of Christ, they have a positive opinion, and we don't agree, whatever. Let, let's start that as a, as a means to continue to talk about Christ. Even if people are preaching and serving in Christ's name for the wrong reasons, God can still use it. This is what, it, so what Paul says in Philippians 1. He says, to be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Those preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they may cause trouble in my imprisonment. So what's Paul, what does he say? Does he say shut up? No. In verse 18 he says, what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. So wasn't it like Paul's like, they preach a Christ because they ain't even trying to be Christian. They preach a Christ out of envy, selfishness, whatever. <laughs> Jesus is getting talked about. And if Jesus is getting talked about, I'm all right. I'm going to rejoice in that. And which gives a question, right? Where do we draw the line? In other words, I told you the body of Christ is diverse, but there is a point. Where you step out, and I'm like, I don't know if we're in the same faith no more. All right, so where's the line? And listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you how I draw a line, how I think uh, 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 a lot of people draw a line. There's a couple of things that, that, that if you're not down with, we can't be cool. I mean, we can be cool friends, but we're not, in the same, we're not in the same family. If you can't believe in the triune God, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're not cool. <laughs> if you can't believe in a fully human and a fully divine Jesus, that's a deal breaker. If you can't believe in an inspired and infallible scriptures, we got problems. If you don't believe in a sacrificial death and a bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we got issues. But outside of that, there's a lot of room, right? Right? There's a, lot, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that we can or may not agree on. But these things are, are the basis. And as a matter of fact, if you don't believe the scriptures are true, then our conversations won't go anywhere because what we're going to talk about. So Jesus wants us to see and value the diversity of the body of Christ. He wants us to serve other followers of Christ. Look at verse 41. It says, and whoever gives a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, truly, I tell you. He will never lose his reward. I want you to understand, Jesus is challenging the judgmental posture of his disciples. 
He's saying, listen, y'all get mad at this dude for casting out demons. Remember when y'all couldn't do it? <laughs> at least he's doing something for me. <laughs> like, chill. <laughs> like, relax. In other words, we ought to hold our convictions firmly, yet communicate them gently. I want you to understand something. My job is to study the scriptures and doctrine. I got a lot of positions and opinions about a lot of different things. And, I, and they're, they're clear and they're firm. But I don't have to be a jerk in communicating that. I don't have to beat nobody overhead about it. I, I can hold my convictions firmly. I'm not saying that we don't hold your convictions. We need to have convictions. We need to, to believe firmly what the Bible says and, and how we understand it. But, but, but even so, I don't need to go be a jerk to other people. Jesus calls us to love and serve those who name the name of Christ. We can do this locally. Why, why, why? Every Sunday we pray for pastors and churches in our city. That's intentional. So that you know we on the same team. There's not two bodies of Christ, there's one. All right, so we're going to pray continually for other churches. It means that we partner with churches as we do stuff. So, you know, we, we, we serve a lot in the high school. When we feed people, one of our partners is Welcome Baptist Church. Listen, we're very different churches. We're just different. But you know what? We can partner to serve together. And we can be, our, be each other's cheerleaders and be on the same team. We help other churches. That's why, uh, we, we, you know, my friend Jay Will has come and preached a couple times. We, we, give, uh, we give his church money so that his church can get up and started. By God's grace, I'm able to go speak at conferences to help church. Why, why would I? I see that as a part of my job, not as a side thing, but because our church is going to go, no, we, we want to be about the big C church. We want to be about Christ being exalted everywhere. And beloved, we can do this globally. That's why we pray for the persecuted church, because I don't want you to forget that that, is, that exists. That there are those today, this day, who are worshiping in secret because they, they could get uh, thrown in jail. They could be martyred. Why, why should we care? Because that's our family. Why should we care? Because we all partake of Christ. If my brother or my sister is suffering, that should be my concern. And it's not hypothetical. That's for real. That's happening today. So we should at least pray. We should pray for our brothers and sisters. And, and we should partner with, with missionaries that empower local leaders. That one, of, one of my the best things that, about my trip to Zambia was when I, I went to, to a local Baptist pastor's meeting. This wasn't missionaries. It was, it was Zambians. They ran it, and I just got to sit in on it. And, and they, they discuss theology, and they encourage one another, and they pray for one another. And I thought, man, look, look, look at these brothers right here serving Christ. Like, there was, they, they, it was autonomous. They were doing their thing. And I thought, man, look, look like one of the things, when I, when I talk about our brother Brian who's serving in Asia, one of the things that he's talking about a lot, he's like, I want to train the indigenous pastors here. That's the goal. I don't want, I don't want to, to leave them chained and, and constricted to our cultural modes. I want them to have right theology, but the expression is going to look a little different because it's a different place. When I, when I think about this, I, 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 when, I, when I back up and see the scope of the body of Christ, what I'm reminded of is that Christ died 
who are beautiful, diverse, and messy church. Ephesians 5, it says, Christ loved the church. So what is, what is the, you're not talking about, you're not talking about just your local church, the church. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. Christ loved his church. Let's make it plain. Christ loved that Christian that you don't like. So much so that he died so that that person, that individual, that group could be saved. And Christ is committed to his bride, y'all. Now, now I, was, you know, I don't know what award ceremony it was, but you know when, when Chris Rockstar says something crazy about Jada? Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and Will Smith walked up on the stage. He was like, "What he about to do?" <laughs> like, and then he said, "Keep my wife's name at your mouth." Why, why did he say that? Because if you disrespect a man's wife, you disrespect him. What does that have to do with our posture towards the church? Who is the who is the bride of Christ? The church. So if I'm looking at the church and just poo-pooing everything they do, and y'all can't do this, and y'all do that, how do you think that makes the husband feel? Keep my wife's name out your mouth. If we honor Christ, we honor them, even if the people aren't perfect, even if the church got issues, if we honor Christ, we honor his bride. And then the verse says, it says that, that Christ will protect and purify his bride, the church. He says, Christ is the one that's going to make her holy. Christ is the one that's going to cleanse her. Christ is the one that's going to present the church to himself in splendor. That means that it's ultimately his responsibility. It is not my or your responsibility to make sure everybody is right. It's his. And he said he will. He said, I got that. <laughs> You chill out. I'm going to take care of it. What's beautiful is that, that because Christ's church is so wide and so diverse, you can receive his love by faith because what would disqualify you from him? It certainly isn't your ethnicity or culture. It's not your economic status. Beloved, it's not even perfect theology. <laughs> what can separate you from that? No matter what you think about yourself or how highly or how lowly you think of yourself, there's nothing about you that can separate you from Christ. Because Christ said, I want all kinds of people with me, even the busted ones. I want them too. That might be you, so okay. We can come to him as we are. We can come to him as we are. Because he purchased a beautiful, messy church. So what do we do with this? Here's one thing. We ought to be humble when we think about our church or our church tradition. I'm going to read from that same Baptist confession that was written in the 1600s. It says, the purest churches under heaven are subject to mixture and error. I hope you like our church, but don't get it twisted. We're not perfect. I mean, I hope you like, I mean, we, we ain't trying to be bad, but, but I'm sure with some, when I stand for Jesus, he's like, why did you do that? I'm like, I ain't, my bad, I ain't know. <laughs> like, I tried. You know, like, it says, the purest churches under heaven are subject to mixture and error. 
That means you got you, you got to be you got to be a little bit chill when you talk about. I can't believe they did. Well, our church ain't all, we we got stuff too. <laughs> Calm down. Now get this. It says, and some have so degenerated as to become no churches of Christ, but synagogues of Satan. So it's like, what are we talking about? When people start not believing in the triune God, when they stop not believing in Jesus Christ's death and bodily resurrection, okay, you didn't, you're, not, you, you're not with us no more. Here's, here's the deal. Nevertheless, Christ always has had and ever shall have a kingdom in this world. Those are believers and those who make professions of his name. So listen, all churches, all church traditions are a work in progress. No, like no church got it 100% right. Because no, no person has it 100% right. So we can be humble when we think about our church and whatever tradition we come from, and we can appreciate and glean from other church traditions. Listen, here's the crazy thing. If I got the Holy Spirit and they over there got the Holy Spirit, maybe I can learn something from them. <laughs> maybe I should, well, what y'all doing over there? Maybe, maybe I, can, I can help me. Listen, listen, when we try to practice this at our church, this is why, because this is how I know you try, we try to practice it, because some of y'all, when somebody says, what kind of church you go to, you go, uh. <laughs> 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 it's a, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> why, why? Because I, we intentionally try to look at other church traditions and say, is that helpful? Is that biblical? Can we do that? Right, so that's like, look, look, we pulled from uh, the elders, we studied, uh, we looked at this book, and, and I'm going to keep it real, I gave them a podcast of the book, because I know everybody likes to read. But the book is called Evangelical Sacramental Pentecostal, and it's the idea that the churches kind of get in their lane and in their zone, and then the subtitle of the book is Why the Church Should Be All Three. So evangelical, that's about, that's about God's Word. We're going to be about public reading of Scripture, we're going to be about preaching, we're going to be about that. Sacramental, that, that's more of those traditional churches, that, that, that recited prayers, that weekly communion. I'm going to tell you when it's really hit home. When I was reading 1 Timothy, and it said, make sure that you pray for everybody. That's what he said to, to Timothy, the pastor. I'm like, how in the world? How do you pray for everybody? <laughs> you know what I'm like? And then I read the Book of Common Prayer, and I was like, oh, like that. <laughs> you could do it like that. We want to we be, be Pentecostal, charismatic. Like, I love expressive worship and the laying on of hands. Like, like, like if, the church, if, if God has done something cool in the church and is biblical, I want it. And I need to be humble enough to go, that, I might not, that might not all come from my mind or my church or my tradition, but I can look and be like, well, if I got brothers and sisters that span the whole globe and 2,000 years back, <laughs> Maybe I can be humble and go, maybe they can do something that I can learn from. What this also means is that we should see and value our Christian brothers or sisters. If all churches are mixed with error, certainly every individual Christian is too. Yeah? And just because your brother or sister got something wrong with them or you think they believe something that's dumb or or they done made this or that mistake, that doesn't mean you discount them. The Spirit of God is still at work in imperfect people. So even if that brother, maybe they really, really annoy you. Well, again, who do they belong to? Whose child are they? Listen, we can be, you can do a lot of stuff to me and we can be friends, right? But if you start saying, saying something crazy about my kids, we're not friends no more. You might not like that person. They might rub you wrong. But God's their father. 
they deserve love and care. So I'm going to close. I'm going to lay on a plane. I want us to see and value the diverse church of Christ. I want you to listen to this quote from a Dutch theologian. He's dead now. His name is Herman Bavinek. He says, the kingdom of God is universal, bound to no place or time, embracing the whole earth and every human independent of nation and country, of nationality and race, of language and culture. And what a beautiful, diverse, messy church we're a part of. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that, that your word is truth um, and, and, and that, that the scope of your plan is bigger than us as individuals or even us as a church. But Lord, your desire is that the, the knowledge of God, the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And you accomplish that through all kinds of people and all kinds of churches. And so we're just thankful that we get to be included, Lord. We're thankful that we are included in you as individuals, that, that, that you love us and care for us and have given us of your very spirit. And we thank you that our little church in welcome can be in par- a part of your eternal kingdom. Oh, we bless you. We honor you for that privilege. Because it's something that we didn't earn, nor do we deserve. But you set your love on us. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that maybe there's some who are listening who feel disqualified from being uh, with you, with your people for some reason. Lord, I pray um, that you would just remove that thought and that you would draw them in and demonstrate your love and care and commitment to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.